Hello everybody and welcome back to the Rising Ecosystems podcast, a new show that lifts the lid on the world of startups, innovation and the communities that surround them. I'm Alex Owen Hunt, FDI's Global Markets Editor, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host. Me, Jesse Balu Paris, a tech journalist and editor of Unleash. How are you, Alex? I'm very well, Jesse. I was lucky enough to break out of the big smoke, uh, escape London, and I was down in Wiltshire last weekend, which was lovely. Of course, the British weather was typically unpredictable, but it was a fantastic experience to get out in the open. In early May is actually when uh, oilseed rape or rapeseed oil um, is in full bloom. There's yellow fields scattering across the UK countryside. So I feel very much more relaxed, which you can probably hear in my voice. But how are you doing? I'm really well as well, thank you. Um, But yeah, I was just going to say, you sound uh, very chilled, very zen. Um, (laughs) So definitely I can tell the fresh air um, has done you good. And I'm so glad because I think um, we've spoken about it a few times, haven't we? Um, The past 14 months um, in London have been challenging for a lot of us. Um, So yeah, I'm just glad that you've managed to get out there and and enjoy, enjoy yourself a little bit. Well, thank you very much. And I, I understand you've got a trip planned pretty soon. Yes, um, I'm not counting the days. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're planning to go down to Cornwall, of course, um, um, towards the end of the month, but also excitingly because it's our second wedding anniversary. So um, yeah, we just kind of want to go down and see the sea um, and, you know, not to get cheesy, sentimental and stuff, but Sergio proposed down by the seaside. So um, yeah, I'm just really excited. And similarly to you, I just kind of want to get out of London for a few days. So I think it'll do me the world of good. Well, congratulations, and I wish you a, a very, very lovely trip down to Cornwall. I know that part of the UK really well. But of course, let's get bring back to the focus of the podcast. This is the eighth episode in our series, exploring the UK's emerging entrepreneurial ecosystems. Uh, in our most recent episode, Jesse and I spoke to two giants of the Cardiff startup ecosystem. Now, if you missed that episode, please do subscribe to the FDF podcast on your preferred platform. It not only helps us a lot, but means you'll get notified about more of our content in the future. As a teaser, here's a clip from that fascinating conversation. So we have a great tech community ecosystem. Like we, I run conferences, I run user groups, we, we do the meetups, we do all of that. But it is still almost very much from that employee perspective. We get great at our jobs, not the entrepreneurship founder side where you get great at your passion. But today we're sitting down to wrap up season one, uh, which has seen us answer the question of why startup ecosystems really matter, but also deep dive into Cambridge, Glasgow, Cardiff, Leeds, Belfast and Birmingham. We've spoken to some of the UK's most prominent entrepreneurs, investors and community builders to find out what the opportunities and the challenges are in each of these hubs. That's right, Jesse. We've had a real exploration of lots of the interesting entrepreneurial ecosystems. But before we embark on a new adventure and begin season two, where we'll be focusing on international tech ecosystems, we thought we'd take some time to reflect on everything we've learned this season. But before we do, I wonder if you have any data to set the scene for today's discussion, Jesse. 
Alex, you know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I took some time to look at the Tech Nation report for 2021. Um, and there's actually a lot um, to reportedly celebrate here in the UK. Um, so to give all of our listeners a bit of context, I can tell you that since 2016, um, foreign investment into UK tech has increased from $3 billion to $9.4 billion in 2020 and reaching a record high of $10.3 billion a year earlier in 2019. That's a lot of investment. So clearly the UK ecosystem, startup ecosystem is doing particularly well. What about the effect of the pandemic, Jesse? Yeah, good question. Um, I think obviously that's something that was very noticeable across the entire sector. Um, but according to the report, so foreign VC investment dropped slightly between 2019 and 2020. And as you pointed out, that was unsurprisingly due to the global pandemic, but also uh, the uncertainty surrounded, uh, surrounding Brexit. Uh, but domestic investment increased from $4.6 billion um, to $5 billion. Wow. So still, even even with foreign investors perhaps curtailed by the global pandemic, still a lot of investment going into UK tech and startups. Now, of course, the, the marker of success often is about exits, i.e. when investors are able to list the companies they've invested in on the stock market or founders are able to sell out their stakes. So what about exits in the UK startup ecosystem? Well, yes, it's definitely been um, a busy period and UK tech IPO, IPOs definitely gained momentum in 2020. Um, so eight of the UK's tech companies IPO'd on the LSE last year and they raised a total of £3.1 billion, which actually in so doing brings the UK's total unicorn count to 80. Um, so I think in that sense, things are definitely looking positive. But I just wonder, since we're kind of taking this time to like sit, reflect um, and think about all the people and all the hubs that we've explored so far, there's a lot of different challenges, a lot of different opportunities that we've come across. But I'd love to get your take, Alex, in terms of what you think in general, but also specifically about some of the hubs that we've uh, visited, albeit virtually. Well, I think there's so much to discuss in a summary of the first season. Firstly, it's been a fascinating endeavor. I mean, I'm constantly inspired by entrepreneurs, whether in the UK or internationally, but it was great to speak to some of them, some people who've, who started their own business and had success and had uh, worked with lots of different stakeholder groups. So, I mean, that as, as a sort of a personal level, it was it was really interesting to speak to some of these inspirational people. But when we look at the sort of entrepreneurs across the UK and particularly outside of London. I'd like to pick up on sort of the humanistic element first. I mean, I think it was it was clear that there was quite a lot of humility in some of the ecosystems we covered. I think we heard that in Belfast, we heard that in Leeds, but I think in particular in Glasgow, I remember Rebecca Pick, who is an entrepreneur of a personal security um, company, um, she discussed in particular the humility there, and this is what she had to say. Inherently in Scotland, you know, people are very humble, people are very modest, and that does show in, in the ambitions of the businesses, and I, I think that just is part of, of, of the nature here. Now, Jesse, that was probably my, my first takeaway. What, what about you? Was there anything else that stood out for you from the first season? Oh my gosh, similarly to you, like so much. Um, I think for me, it was quite a like, self-reflective exercise in that, as you know, I've been covering UK tech for years. I feel like the industry has moved on leaps and bounds since I kind of left 
um, UK tech full time in 2000 and oh gosh, 18. Um, but I was a little bit disheartened actually to hear that a lot of the challenges were still very much the same as they were when I first started um, at Tech City News, which is of course now UKTN. And, and particularly the piece around funding, I think um, early stage funding outside of London is plentiful. Um, I think a lot of people rely on family and friends and you know angel rounds, et cetera. Um, but from what we've seen, I think the real challenge in, the real challenge arises when people look to race at you know series A and B and beyond, which is ultimately a series B we're talking growth round. So um, I think there's still a lot to be said about um, VCs um, being a little bit more de democratic in, in how they invest outside of London or even beyond the Golden Triangle. Um, because mm -hmm. I know that when we spoke to Tony Raven um, in Cambridge as well, specifically, um, you know, you can't really compare the ecosystem in Cambridge to a lot of the other hubs that we've either spoken to for this season or ultimately researched as part of this exercise. Um, so that's just something that I hope will change um, quite rapidly because like you said, there's a lot of amazing business opportunities um, all over the country, a lot of amazingly resilient entrepreneurs. Um, and I just think it's a real shame. Yeah, completely. And I think let's note that funding is not just a problem in the UK. It's, it's a problem internationally. I mean, when you look outside of North America where arguably investors have the deepest pockets, and when I say investors, I mean venture capitalists, um, you know, it's, it's a challenge everywhere. If you've got a great business idea and you want to scale it up, um, it's not always easy to secure the right funding. And also worth noting, it's not always right to, to raise venture capital funding, which of course is something that was touched on by uh, Henry Joseph Grant in Belfast, who is a prolific entrepreneur as, as well as a, a startup mentor. So I think when I sort of bring it back to, to main takeaways, there, were, there was a lot of great suggestions listed in our uh, series about how entrepreneurs can, can effectively grow and scale their businesses. But yeah, I think it's a really key point, Jesse. No, I was just going to say that I totally agree with that because I think one of the things that came up time and time again, and it's something that we definitely spoke about in, in when we spoke to Stephanie and Neil in Cardiff, was actually this idea of sustainable growth, right? And I think the media in particular, and I put my hand up, I've been guilty of it for sure. Um, we've so long celebrated huge VC rounds when actually um, we need to kind of take a step back and think about what that entails for the founders behind those companies. Um, I think growth is a magnificent thing. And is totally necessary of course when you're trying to build a business from the ground up um but i think we also need to think about you know growth yes but at what cost um so i completely echo exactly what you've said a vc is not right for every business um but i think that sometimes um particularly when it comes to just kind of trying to get your idea off the ground you know they need entrepreneurs need cash um and i just wondered I just wanted to kind of highlight because I think it's important for investors everywhere not to just focus on on the key cities, not just in London, but like you rightly said. So when I write my column for um, rising ecosystems, um, a lot of the, you know, it's the same story time and time again, um, whether it's Sofia in, in Bulgaria or any other hub, I can't even remember the ones that I've touched on so far, um, <laughs> you know, the lack of, uh, of growth funding. Um, is something that a lot of entrepreneurs, like you said, all over Europe and beyond um, are definitely struggling with. Yeah, absolutely. And you really touched on a note there, I mean, in terms of, is it the right type of funding and its impact on founders? I mean, that's that's about mental health. You've seen some big announcements uh, during the pandemic, probably most notably 
Monzo's uh, co-founder, who, who decided to step step back from the digital bank that he he successfully you know scaled to a, such a um, a level because because of of impact of mental health and some of the pressures that come come with working in the startup world, and that really comes back to something that was mentioned in our first episode by Eileen Burbage um, and uh, Eric van der Klage. And out of interest, this is what they had to say about the pandemic's impact on mental health in the startup scene. It was always a talking point, just like maybe ESG was even before 2020. But I think this year has forced chief executives of companies of all sizes to really take stock and understand that, you know, workforces, teammates, uh, colleagues are only as good as, you know, how they feel about their health, their well-being, their families and whether or not they're able to look after them. Um, I think also, um, I yeah, totally agree. Mental health is so important and I'm so glad that people feel more comfortable being vulnerable at work. And it's kind of the pandemic spotlighted the need to talk about it more openly. One of the biggest t- takeaways for me has actually been the cost differential. Um, and I know this is something that came up in Cardiff, and I, but I also know that it's something that we spoke to, spoke about um, in all of the conversations that we've had so far. I think being able to kind of grow a business outside of London um, immediately puts you in an, at an advantage when it comes to not just talent, but also getting office space. And I remember when I was working in around the Old Street roundabout all those years ago, um, even back then, so I'm talking 2016 to about 2018, um, there was already a lot of conversations being had about how a lot of startups in London were actually priced out of the shortage area, hence why we then started seeing a little bit of a resurgence of tech um, in other spots around London. Um, But I just think it's, you know, you can build better, sustainable businesses with um, access to some of the world's most amazing talent and particularly now that we're most of us are working remotely um, at, a, at a fraction of the cost um, and I think in terms of business returns um, and just kind of like the promise that those businesses have I think that's something that can't be ignored. Absolutely and in particular I seem to remember Melissa Snover, uh, who's the CEO of Remedy Health Group, the three oh, yes, company yes. in Birmingham. And she in particular mentioned the cost differential and, and the advantages she found by setting up outside of London. And here's a little clip from what she had to say. Um, I think it's no surprise. Uh, Birmingham is much more affordable. So right now uh, we have two factories. We have around 30,000 square feet and I spend less on these two humongous buildings than I used to spend on a six-man office in London a month. So very interesting to talk about costs outside of London, but more broadly, when we look at tech and its ability to be a democratizing force, providing opportunities, um, uh, alternative opportunities for people rather than just going into to work for a company, they can set up their own. It was very interesting. I think another thing that stood out for me is is how tech is being used across different UK ecosystems to boost diversity, inclusion, uh, and 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 bring communities together. Now, in particular, I think that was that stood out in Belfast, where Henry uh, Joseph Grant was mentioning about efforts to to unify um, Protestant and Catholic communities um, uh, by 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 using tech and startups. Uh, I mean, that that really stood out for me, and I, I, we heard it also in in Leeds about trying to use technology and startups um, to, to bring the ecosystem together and and, and provide um, provide opportunities for people from all different sort of walks of life and backgrounds. 
Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because I think for so long I've been kind of, you know, tech reporting has been focusing on big tech for a long time and it will continue to be, right? Um, but I think a lot of the stories over the past few years around data, privacy, et cetera, have kind of given technology uh, a bad rep. Um, and I think that is obviously justified um, in those instances, but I don't want us to kind of go away and forget just how um, beneficial for society technology can be. Like tech for good is a is a is a respectable vertical within the the tech ecosystem, and there's a lot of companies out there that are trying to actually make this world a better place. And I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. Um, and also there's a lot to be said for all those VCs that are actually um, focusing specifically on tech for good companies. Um, and like you, I found it very inspiring um, in just how um, a lot of these communities come together. Um, and you know, tech is the driver, is the common ground. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said um, for the human element as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, of course, there's so many different points we could discuss um, from the first season. I think a final one from my side was the clustering of successful startups around universities. We spoke to several representatives from different universities and how they're helping to foster the startup ecosystem, social entrepreneurship, um, but also spin outs of research from um, scientific laboratories, et cetera, and looking more towards deep tech. The startups are based off the talent within them, and talent come the talent pipeline comes out of these top higher education institutions. So that's something we've seen across the globe with Silicon Valley, with something we've seen um, in in London with 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 many different universities, but also something that came up in our conversation in Cambridge, with in particular Tony Raven, as you mentioned earlier in our discussion, who's the chief executive of Cambridge Enterprise. He really gave us an insight into how the university has helped to promote entrepreneurship and accelerate spin-outs from research. Here's a little clip from our conversation. And then it moved on from there into where we are today, where it is a very active supporter and engine in this whole system. And we have that through Cambridge Enterprise uh, and our seed funds. You've talked to Andrew at uh, Cambridge Innovation Capital. Uh, we, the university has put its own money behind both ourselves and uh, CIC to be able to actually become cornerstone investors in these companies to make them happen. Yep. So for me, I just want to say a massive thank you um, to every single guest that's been on the podcast um, so far. Thank you so much for your candor. We could definitely not have done it without you. Um, I think under any other normal circumstances, Alex and I would have been able to kind of parachute into each of these hubs um, and speak to everybody face to face. Uh, but in an age of like Zoom fatigue, we really appreciate everybody that's taken the time out of their day um, to speak to us. Um, thank you so much to you as well, Alex. Um, you're making the process so enjoyable. And I think we've been very privileged to kind of meet some amazing people throughout the process. Um, but also, um, those of you listening won't know this, but we normally, when we sit down to record, end up with about an hour and a half of a recording. Um, and that's just Alex and I chatting about everything and anything. So um, thank you for making it so fun. Well, that's too kind of you, Jesse. It's been an absolute pleasure from my side as well. Just going to echo what you said. We've had some fantastic guests doing some fantastic things all across the UK. We've And thank you also to all our listeners. Uh, and we hope your content has been engaging and useful for your purposes. And we're not stopping here. The UK focused series is coming to an end. 
we're going global and we may well be back to the UK to look at some of the other ecosystems from a slightly different angle. So plenty to look forward to moving forward. Jesse, thank you also. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and uh, we, will, we will see you all in, in a couple months' time. Mm-hmm.